There's no secret formula for better service throughout the customer journey. But there is the all-new service hub from HubSpot. It makes it infinitely easier to scale customer support and increase retention. By bringing service and support together in one powerful platform, you can deliver the best experiences for your customers and your teams. Free up time for your reps to focus on complex issues with an AI-powered help desk. Proactively drive retention with customer health scores that help keep your business ahead, stopping churn in its tracks. And give your entire go-to-market team the data they need to operate as one unified, powerful front. Also, you can easily support, strengthen, and grow your customer base. Secrets out. HubSpot Service Hub is a game changer. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. What's going on, everyone? It's Wednesday, August 31st. I'm Zachary Crockett here with Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're talking coffee. Maybe you're drinking some right now to start your day. Well, a lot of folks have their favorite chain, Starbucks, Dunkin', Pete's, whatever it is. It's a fiercely competitive market, but a new upstart wants a piece of that action. And Rob's gonna fill us in on this little New York-based chain that is trying to break into the business. But before we get into that, let's take a quick look at what's going on in the business and tech world. Internal documents revealed that Twitter was working on an OnlyFans-like offering, which would have allowed adult content creators to charge for subscriptions, with Twitter taking a cut. Before launching, Twitter assembled a red team of 84 employees to pressure test the decision. The group ultimately decided against the effort due to Twitter's inability to monitor child sexual exploitation material on the platform. A recent report found that there were 11.2 million available jobs in July. That's almost 1 million more than forecasted and roughly double the pool of available workers. The Federal Reserve monitors the number closely as a way to track inflation. That report suggests that there's a shortage of workers for the open positions, which could be inflationary as it forced companies to raise wages to fill those roles. Snap announced that it's going to lay off 20% of its staff the company's first layoff since 2018. That news follows disappointing earnings in Q2. Snap's ad business has struggled since Apple launched ATT, which lets users opt out of in-app tracking. The company has also struggled to sell its hardware offerings like the Snap Spectacles or the Pixie, that selfie drone that the company recently stopped producing. In France, officials have used AI to find more than 20,000 undeclared swimming pools which can raise property values and, by default, property taxes. And lastly, the National Labor Relations Board ruled it's unlawful for Tesla to prevent workers from wearing union buttons and t-shirts. Nice try, Mr. Musk. (laughs) All right, Rob, my first question when I hear this new coffee chain is trying to break into the business is how the hell is that possible? It seems like one of the hardest businesses to break into. You have huge players that dominate the space and uh, it just seems like an insurmountable task. You're totally right. I mean, if you look at the numbers, the coffee retail market in the US is completely dominated by Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts. I live outside Boston, so I am definitely in what I would call Dunkin' territory. Dunkin' guy. New England runs on Dunkin' Zach. I don't know if you've seen the commercials, but that's what they say. (laughs) And we have a lot of Starbucks in New England as well. Apparently, people in the Northeast really need a lot of caffeine. Mm. 
But like I said, so two thirds of the retail market for coffee is dominated by those two players. And then if you're in any city looking for coffee, then if you're not going to one of them, then you're probably looking for like a local coffee shop that has like cool independent vibes, right? So that's kind of like what you're dealing with in the coffee market. I mean, you mentioned Pete's up top. There's some other competitors for sure. Sure. But at the end of the day, that's kind of what you're dealing with in any given city in the United States. Yeah. So at large, we're looking at Starbucks and Dunkin' dominating two-thirds of the entire market. And then these little hipster coffee shops, these alternatives that are sprinkled throughout the country. Exactly. So you're looking at either shops that are like super ubiquitous or you're looking at these kind of niche shops that give off this cool indie vibe. Right. And this new company, Blank Street Coffee, Mm -hmm. is based out of Williamsburg, which is a Brooklyn neighborhood. It's pretty much like the mecca of all things hipster right now. Yeah, hipster capital of the nation. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, I feel like in the last five years alone, Williamsburg has kind of had like a peak and then is like fallen and then it's like bounced back. It's <laughs> right. it's one of those things where I feel like it's kind of always in the news from like a culture standpoint. But this company, Blank Street Coffee, launched in 2020 as one small electric coffee cart. And over the last two years has expanded to 40 locations across New York City, Boston, and London. Mm. And the reason I found this really interesting today, so apparently like a lot of New Yorkers are starting to wonder like where the hell this place came from because they're starting to see them mm. everywhere in New York City. And As you can imagine, like New York City real estate isn't cheap. So it's kind of wild that this small, seemingly indie and seemingly Hmm. super niche coffee shop is able to expand so rapidly. But for all of the kind of looks and vibes of this kind of indie coffee shop appeal that Blank Street is going for, there's a lot more underneath the surface. Yeah. Before we get into what's going on here, what is the founding story of this company? Who's behind this effort? Yeah, so it was founded by two friends who met in high school in Dubai, I believe, and went to college together and have really been kind of like thinking about this prototype for a really long time. And they have this kind of genius plan, honestly. So Hmm. the overarching strategy behind Blank Street Coffee is to make cheaper coffee than Starbucks that tastes better than Dunkin' Donuts and to be more ubiquitous than those local and regional indie coffee shops that we talked about before. So they're trying to fall into this weird middle category. Like Starbucks is, you know, at the high end of the price point. It's like $5.50 for a 16-ounce ice latte. And then, you know, Dunkin's the cheaper option. They're $3.75. Blank Street's fallen right in the middle at 425, but they're saying, look, we're a higher quality, cheaper end coffee than Dunkin'. Exactly. And they've got like a very different aesthetic. It's, as you can imagine, kind of being based out of Williamsburg, a lot more hipster centric. Like I think the last word that you would use to describe Duncan is hipster. (laughs) So they definitely are kind of like co-opting that vibe a little bit and trying to really blow it up, I think, and kind of fit into this wedge between Duncan, Starbucks, and those local indie shops that only have a few locations and are like super near and dear to the locals' hearts. Yeah. I'm terrified of Duncan. I feel like if you walk in there with a pair of skinny jeans, you're going to get your ass kicked or something. (laughs) (laughs) You're probably right. I've definitely been afraid of Duncan a few times in my life, but I will say this. I was driving back from New Hampshire a couple weekends ago and I needed a little pop of caffeine and I got a small ice from Duncan with a little bit of milk and it tasted way better than I remembered. (laughs) I don't know why in my head I had this kind of negative perception of Duncan. I used to be a loyal Duncan drinker and kind of got off the wagon. And I'm not going to lie. I was impressed. I I thought it was going to be a lot worse than it actually was. Hmm. 
Well, I got to say, Blank Street's vision to kind of maintain the small cutesy charm of the upstart while scaling to this massive scale. I mean, that's like every company's goal, right? Like everyone in the beginning is always like, we're going to get huge, but we're going to maintain all our charm. And that just seems like an impossible thing to do in business. So is there any controversy or skepticism coming from the other side of the aisle there on that? There totally is. Skepticism would be an understatement. So the crazy thing about Blank Street is they're basically a tech company. They're kind of trying to fill this niche and this wedge. And they have like a few really interesting strategic bets that they're making. And one of them is on automation. Hmm. So they really heavily use their mobile app and really kind of push their users and customers to use their mobile app to order. They have like a rewards program. I think Starbucks has like an amazing rewards program. Duncan does too. So they're kind of getting in on that. The other interesting thing about Blank Street is every location has this Eversys espresso maker that can churn out Hmm. 700 drinks per hour. The article that I was reading about these guys didn't go into exactly how much they they're paying for these espresso makers. But essentially, I think the main model costs around 50 grand, which is what a typical New York City barista might make if you kind of like did the math and, and counted it out. And what happens is because they have these espresso makers that can literally make 700 drinks an hour, I think they can make eight espresso <laughs> drinks simultaneously. Okay. I, I just looked up how that stacks up to like a barista making coffees. And one source says that the average barista can make about 80 to 90 cups in one hour. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. So we're talking one machine has the output of like 10 baristas a must. Exactly. And like, it's crazy to think that this company's business model is so reliant on this one machine But it kind of is like what this espresso maker does is it allows them to keep their retail operations super small. So most of their stores are either, you know, like the electric coffee cart they started with, or they're taking up barely any retail space. I think most of their stores are under 350 square feet, Hmm. which is tiny and allows them to scale really easily. They also typically don't have more than two people working at once, which allows Uh. them to save on labor costs. So like their whole thing is about automation and convenience. They really want their customers to be able to come in and get their coffee really quickly, Ah, which is kind of the exact opposite of like the whole Starbucks approach, where I feel like Starbucks whole thing is to try to get people into their stores and like sit there and hang out for a while, right? 100%. Yeah. Starbucks is about the community. You go there to spend five hours working on your dissertation or whatever. And totally. Maybe you buy like one $5 coffee and you stay there for like, you know, five, six hours. Exactly. Uh, Starbucks came under heat when they close their bathrooms to the public, you know? Yeah, exactly. There's that whole like third place thing that people talk about besides like work and home and a place where you want to like sit and hang out and like experience community. And and that's kind of the thing that Starbucks has tried to embody. Mm. And that's what's interesting about Blank Street is they are really going the complete opposite direction. You asked about skeptics earlier and there are absolutely some skeptics. So as you can imagine, if any company grows that quickly, especially a Williamsburg-based coffee shop in New York City, then they're going to raise some eyebrows. And so it's worth noting, Blake Street Coffee has raised $67 million from a range of investors that includes Tiger Global, General Catalyst. So they're VC-backed. Mm. They have kind of been accused by a lot of New Yorkers of just 
opening in Williamsburg to check off the Williamsburg box. So basically kind of co-opting that hipster aesthetic and hipster vibe and then kind of taking it global. Apparently their first coffee cart opened like directly across the street from like a neighborhood favorite coffee shop and locals absolutely hated that. They really kind of came under fire for that. Mm. So yeah, there is a lot of, I think, skepticism and a lot of pushback on the Blank Street coffee model. Yeah, the New York Times recently wrote a great story on Blank Street, which sparked us to discuss this. And there's a great quote in that article from an exchange on TikTok. One TikTok commenter was like, Blank Street is a tech company. They just Xerox copy shops on every block in New York City. And then someone responded and said, do you really care how your iced coffee is made? As long as it's good, I don't care. So it's like that really shows kind of the bifurcation in the coffee world where on one extreme, you have customers who really like the experience. They go there to get like a handmade artisanal coffee and other people just want their damn coffee. They just want to go in and drink a coffee and they don't give a crap where it comes from, right? A hundred percent. I honestly think that they would get a lot less criticism if they didn't start in Williamsburg because I think that just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. I think Williamsburg being kind of this hipster mecca is also like a really popular destination for the kind of craft coffee movement. And so I think a lot of people look at them kind of starting there and their whole vibe and aesthetic and just feel like they're kind of ripping off that entire indie vibe. Exactly. They're just ripping off that entire vibe <laughs> and really trying to go big with it. I think if they were from anywhere else, it probably you know wouldn't even come into play. People would just be like, oh yeah, this is another fast growing coffee shop or whatever it is. But it cuts both ways, the Williamsburg thing. Mm. So Rob, I read that Blank Street, one of the founders said, you know, his goal is to get people to drink two cups of coffee from Blank Street every single day. Um, <laughs> Ambitious. Am I like the odd man out here? Do like, people really drink that much coffee? <laughs> I'm so glad that you brought this up. So I used to, I used to drink one coffee like before work and then I would go after lunch and get another coffee like every single day. Oh, okay. And I think it was typically at Starbucks where I would get the two coffees a day. I would get a venti iced coffee in the morning and then I would get uh, maybe tall iced coffee in the afternoon after lunch. And um, like recently in the last few years, I decided to really cut back the coffee consumption because it was getting a little bit ridiculous. Like I felt like I literally needed coffee. <laughs> so for me, this seems really ambitious, but I also like have told a few people about my goal to cut out that afternoon coffee and people have told me I'm crazy. So I think there are a lot of people out there that yeah. do drink two coffees a day. It's interesting because like every business kind of like wants to have like a habit forming product, right? But they're not usually that upfront about it. Like <laughs> this is just a very ambitious goal and very honest goal. Like we want to be your coffee routine. Yeah. Do you drink two coffees a day? I am uh, I'm one of those freaks who doesn't drink coffee at all. Amazing. I have never had a full cup of coffee in my life. I've tasted coffee a few times, but uh, I'm a green tea guy. I'll occasionally, if, if I really need some help, I'll drink green tea. And my fiance actually makes fun of me because like I drink a cup of green tea and I'm like, ah, oh, I'm buzzing. I'm buzzing. Love that. She's a coffee person and she's just like laughing at me like, dude, you don't even know what a buzz <laughs> is. Like, come on. <laughs> dude, stay that way forever. If I need a boost in the afternoon now, I do green tea. I love green tea. And if you have a little lemon juice, like throw that yeah. in there, throw it on ice. Amazing. <laughs> the last question I have about Blank Street here is what kind of scale are they at right now? Like, why are we sitting here talking about them? Are they still this tiny three storefront chain in New York? Like what, what kind of scale are they at and at what pace are they growing right now? So a few factors allowed them to expand really, really quickly. First of all, we mentioned their venture funding. So they have way bigger pockets than any other indie coffee shop in the area, 
as far as expansion goes. We mentioned how small most of their locations are, so they don't need a lot of space to open up shop. And the other thing is the pandemic led to a lot of available inventory in really prime locations in New York City that with their venture funding and the ease with which they can slide into any spot because of how small they are, it really allowed them to grow very, very quickly in New York. And I mean, I think in the article of the New York Times, one New Yorker said, it seems like they're following me around. Like every day I look over my shoulder and see a new Blank Street coffee shop. Wow. And so they grew really fast in New York. They, I think, have opened five stores in London and they opened one in Boston recently, which we might need to try at Inbound. Yeah. But ultimately, they've grown to 40 locations. I think their valuation right now is around 300 million. So to put that into perspective, Starbucks has around 15,000 locations in the United States. Dunkin' has roughly 10,000 in the United States. Long way to go for Blank Street to catch up to those guys. But It's worth mentioning just because of what they have behind them as far as firing power from VCs and investors, the fact that they have already made such a splash in New York, which I would imagine is arguably one of the hardest markets to make a dent in coffee-wise because you have all those chains, but then you have all these amazing indie coffee shops, which I think Mm. is why Blank Street Coffee is just so controversial. Hmm. All right. Well, if you are in New York and you have some searing thoughts about Blank Street, let us know. Please do. You can email me at zcrockett at hubspot.com. You can email Rob at rolitterst at hubspot.com. There it is. rolitterst at hubspot.com. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. This was the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. And you can always head over to thehustle.co if you want more of this business coverage. We've got a great free newsletter you can sign up for. Check it out. And we'll catch you all tomorrow. Tomorrow.